it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. This is Up and to the Right for the 50th week of 2016. In this episode, we're going to discuss the secret life of ratios. For the last three weeks, we've been delving into the world of financial statements. By now, you know what to keep an eye on and why it matters to your business. This week, we'll talk about how some of the numbers in these reports are related and how looking into those relationships can provide an important insight into the health of your business. Welcome to Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast bringing you the art and science of business. No buzzwords and and no hyped-up trends. Here we bridge the gap between your small business passion and sound business principles to transform your business into what you dreamt it would be when you started or realize the potential you see in it today. This episode of Up and to the Right is brought to you by Audible, and they're offering our listeners a free 30-day trial along with a free audiobook of your choice just by going to audibletrial.com forward slash up and to the right. So in the new segment this week, I'm really, really happy to, to be able to announce that we have an Audible affiliation at this point. And uh, so I get to not only uh, promote a service that I really enjoy and use literally every day of my life, um, but I get to offer uh, listeners of Up and to the Right uh, a free 30-day trial. And uh, when we get to the reading room, you'll be able to try any of those books that I recommend uh, for free for 30 days. So uh, really excited about that. Uh, I've also put some new coaching programs online. Uh, and uh, so if you go to beyond50percent.com forward slash plans forward slash memberships, you can look into that. Uh, pretty excited about that as well. So let's get right into what these what ratios mean to your business. We've got the first three financial statements, and they help you understand the overall profitability. You can re- review expenses uh, and, and look at the financial strength at a given time on the balance sheet, and you can understand the flow of cash through your business uh, using the statement of cash flows. And those are all really important uh, aspects or, or characteristics to be looking at on a regular basis for, for any business. But it can be hard to connect the dots between the three statements. Now, we did talk a little bit about the statement of cash flows tying the balance sheet and the income statement together. But there are other relationships between some of these numbers that, um, that allow us to draw conclusions or at least get a, a sense of how our business is performing using the relationships between some of these numbers. And so that simply put, what is a ratio? A ratio is a mathematical comparison between two numbers, and we use them as a financial analysis benchmark. Uh, and what we can you can you can kind of think about that in in uh, the sense that they're uh, they allow us to to very quickly identify. Uh, a key performance indicator or KPI for people in the in the uh, quality industry of a business, and we'll talk about uh, uh, some of these in a few minutes. But and and by doing this in specific cases, we gain insight that might be difficult to see any other way. One of the key benefits uh, is that the actual dollar amount is removed when we do a, a ratio analysis. And that's actually very valuable because it makes it easier to compare uh, your company with an industry benchmark, for example. So if you say, okay, I'm a local grocer and uh, I made uh, 
$20,000 in, in retail sales in a given time frame, um, it might be very hard to compare that number to the grocery industry in general. But if you say, okay, my um, one of my ratios, for example, my current ratio is uh, 1.1. Uh, and again, we'll talk about some of these here in a minute. So don't get uh, don't worry about it if that doesn't mean a whole lot to you right now. But if the current ratio is 1.1 and the average for the grocery industry is 1.3, then you know that maybe you're not quite up to the average uh, in that industry. Or if the average is 1.01, you know that you're actually ahead of the industry. And you can so you can benchmark against uh, industry standards, or maybe it would be better to say industry expectations by using a ratio uh, where the raw numbers themselves would make it very difficult to know whether or not your business was actually uh, uh, operating within the same parameters as uh, another uh, similar business, but maybe with three locations or a larger store or a store in a, a larger market. So that's one reason. Um, another thing that's cool about removing the dollar value is it allows you to compare companies in the same industry. So, um, again, and, and that goes back a little bit to the, to, uh, the example I, I mentioned before in terms of saying, okay, uh, I want to look at how my company's doing compared to uh, Safeway. So being able to take the, the monetary number out of the equation and just look at the ratios allows you to compare these things. Um, we also use them to compare performance over time. So you can, you can look at how your to go back to the previous example of the current ratio, we can look at the current ratio on at each month and see if it's increasing or decreasing. And the other thing that, that I want to note, <clears throat> excuse me, that I want to note is that, uh, these benchmarks will vary by industry, some pretty widely. And, uh, some research is going to be required on your part to know what benchmarks benchmarks make sense to use for your own business. And um, I'll talk about that in a little bit as well when we get down to the suggested action section. So let's talk about some of these ratios that we look at. And um, we're going to look at seven. The first one is, in fact, the current ratio. And what it what that is, is the ratio between your current assets and your current liabilities, and that's pulled straight off of your balance sheet, okay? So literally, you'll have a line that says current assets or total current assets, and you're gonna have a line that says current liabilities or total current liabilities. And you take your current assets, you divide them by your current liabilities, and boom, you have what you need. And we want our assets, obviously, to be greater than our liabilities. So uh, a number greater than one is expected and important. Uh, and a number greater than 1.5 is better. And the higher the number, the stronger our business is. Now, when we talk about the next one, so uh, before we talk about the next one, when you look at this, you've got to realize that the current ratio takes all your current assets. Well, one of your current assets happens to be inventory. And inventory is pretty hard to liquidate in many cases, and certainly may be hard to liquidate at a reasonable value. Um, and, and so in order to take the next step and say, okay, well, let's only look at the, the 
current assets that we have without inventory? What if I don't want to get rid of my inventory to cover all of my liabilities? Okay, sorry about that. I had to get a glass of water and uh, let the cat out of the of the office here. So if we, uh, if you're looking at your current ratio and you're saying, okay, I don't want to include my inventory because inventory is something that I might not sell at the value that I have uh, in my accounting books, or it might be hard to sell uh, quickly. So we take the things that can be easily turned into cash, which are cash and accounts receivable for people who provide credit to their customers, and possibly other uh, market securities if you have a money market account or something like that. But typically, we're just going to talk about cash and accounts receivable and uh, divide that by your current uh, liabilities. And you still want this number to be greater than one. Um, and if it is, that's a pretty good indicator that that uh, your your uh, quick ratio is a, is a good number for you. And that basically means you have enough cash to cover uh, your enough cash and accounts receivable to cover your operating expense. So the next one we want to talk about is gross margin percentage. Now, gross margin, uh, you may already know, but gross margin is basically the net sales minus the cost of goods. So your total sales minus the inventory that went into those products. So if I... Um, if I sell a, uh, a chair that I purchased for, I purchased it for uh, $25 and I'm selling it for $50, my gross margin is $50. Okay, so I take the selling price minus the cost that I paid for it. And then in order to get the percentage, we divide that number by the net sales. So we're going to uh, take the, that $50, that, um, that $50 chair, we're going to subtract the cost, that's $25, and, and then we're going to divide it by 50. So what that gives us is 50% gross margin. 25 is 50% uh, of $50 net sales. And uh, what that shows us is the percentage of income that can be used to cover operating expenses, profit, and debt. And again, this varies pretty widely from industries uh, or throughout industries. Uh, retail grocers may have around 20% uh, gross margins percentage, and pure service industries may have almost 100% uh, gross margin because there's no cost of goods. And so this becomes, in, in many ways, the gross margin percentage is not a, a valuable number in a service-only industry. But there is a number that is valuable to those industries, and that's the operating margin percentage. And we're going to, the same principle applies, but we're going to take, instead of taking the gross margin value, we're going to take the operating income, and that's straight off of your income statement. You're going to take your operating income and divide it by the net sales, also from your income statement. And in my opinion, this is one of the most valuable ratios that is available because it is um, it applies to all businesses, both service and product based, and certainly uh, businesses that have both service and product components. But it incorporates the operating expenses, 
And so basically it ends up showing the percentage of income that is available for paying off debt and creating profit or improving the business investment, uh, the ability to invest in the business itself. This also varies by industry. And I did a quick web search uh, to get the most recent information. And you can get a baseline uh, pretty easily by using some, some good keywords. So uh, for example, I did a quick search on lumber retail operating margin. And uh, the uh, web hit that I got that I used for this example um, said high single digits. So that would that would say to me, if I'm putting together a plan for for a uh, retail lumber company, that they need to be having about an eight to nine percent uh, operating margin percentage if they're going to be competitive with the industry. So that's uh, that's how you can start finding those numbers for yourself. Find um, uh, some good keywords that represent your business, and then put you know the ratio, the name of the ratio in. And uh, you're, you're going to discover quite a bit of information about this. So the next one we're going to talk about is inventory turnover. And inventory turnover is basically, as you can imagine, how fast you're turning over your inventory. So the time between when you receive it to, uh, let's say I, I bought that chair and I received it on the first of the month and I sold it on the, on the, uh, 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 well, let's say I sold it three months later. So, and and if that's basically the average of how I'm doing it, that means that I'm turning my inventory four times a year. So that's a really good inf- a piece of information to have because inventory costs. So the higher the number uh, means that you're turning over inventory faster. And since inventory ties up cash, we don't want that to be a low number. You don't want uh, inventory turnover to be one, meaning you sold one per year, unless you are selling uh, yachts or something where, uh, you know, you have a, a, a very big expensive product that you're doing, maybe it's custom or something like that. You might have very low inventory turnover in a case like that. But in most cases, we want to turn over as much inventory as we can um, because we don't want to be sitting on it because inventory ties up our cash. So a few other notes on the inventory turnover uh, topic. Big ticket items may have lower turnover, like I mentioned. Perishable inventories must have high turnover, and examples of that might be food, uh, milk, fruit, things like that, that uh, will spoil if they're not sold very quickly. So we have to have high turnover for those. So as you can imagine, grocery stores have to have high inventory turnover numbers. Inventories that may become obsolete also have to have high turnovers. And this includes your trend, uh, trendy items, things that are very exciting for a very short period of time. Um, uh, if you're old enough to remember the, the Tickle Me Elmo uh, craze uh, many years ago, uh, that was a, an item that every, every kid wanted for Christmas. Um, but the fever for things like that dies pretty quick and you don't want to be stuck with a whole bunch of inventory that you can't sell. So things like that need to be turned very quickly. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the average days to collect. And if you offer 
credit to your customers, this is very important. Now, I want to be clear, this does not mean accepting credit cards. This means I do the work for you, and then I say, okay, it's okay for, I'll invoice you, and you can pay me later. And we may have an agreement that the invoice is due on receipt, or we may have an agreement that it's due uh, in 30 days, which is common uh, in many industries. How fast we collect that money is has, has a direct impact on our cash performance, right? So knowing how many days it takes to collect money owed to us by customers uh, is a good number to know. And basically, we just take the accounts receivable off of our balance sheet and divide it by the amount of sales on account from our income statement and multiply that by the number of days in the reporting period. Now, uh, in, in some cases, the sales on account are not individually reported uh, on an income statement. So you may have to either classify them in your accounting system so that they are reported as a separate line item or talk to your accountant about how you can get that number. But it's very important if you're extending credit to customers to know how long it takes you to collect cash. And uh, it's an, this is one of those examples of a ratio that, that uh, takes data from two reports to make a comparison and that comparison would be very hard to get uh, from either the balance sheet or the income statement by itself. So how many days does it take to collect money from your customers? Uh, obviously, lower is better. If you extend net 30-day credit, uh, you would certainly want that number to be less than 30. And, uh, uh, you know, if you can reduce it by uh, some amount using... Um, you know, by calling your customers and, and making sure that they remember to pay or having a, a process in place that that helps them, uh, helps you get that money as quickly as possible, that's very beneficial to your business. And small businesses live and die by cash. So um, I'll put a small plug in here to be very careful how you extend credit as a small business owner. Um, but that's not the topic today. So we'll we'll move on. But uh, it is very important that you get paid by your customers in a timely manner. And the last one I want to talk about is the cash flow to debt ratio. And uh, this one takes the operating cash flow from the ca statement of cash flows and you divide that by your total debt. And it's the total debt that is... is uh, that's required to be paid back in the current reporting period. So if you're doing a monthly report, it's the debt payable in that month. Um, uh, this is, this is, I, I don't want to confuse this issue too much, but normally this number is annualized. So you're going to see um, operating cash flow for a year and the debt payable within a year. Uh, so just be aware of that. Uh, but it pulls data again from two statements, one, the statement of cash flow, and two, the balance sheet. So the operating cash flow comes from the statement of cash flows, and the total debt comes from the balance sheet. And it, what this is telling us is, do we have enough cash to cover our debt for the period that we're looking at? And uh, the assumption is that hopefully operating cash flow will continue to be relatively similar in the next period, in the forward-looking time frame as it was in the reported period 
and then our total debt hasn't changed. And so we should be able to continue covering our debt based on the cash flow that we currently have. And where you use this for analysis is, A, do you have the cash to cover your debt, which is very important. But B, if you're looking to uh, get a loan, your banker might want to see this number or they may actually calculate this number and, and uh, by looking at your statements themselves and uh, in order to qualify you for additional debt because they want to make sure that your operating cash flow is sufficient to cover the payments. And so it's often reviewed, like I said, one year at a time, um, and, uh, uh, but it is a very important number to have a handle on. Uh, and, and of course, if you're debt-free, that is an even better position to be in. So this week, the action that we want to take is we want to figure out our ratios. Well, uh, I, I've made it pretty easy at this point. Uh, if you don't like math, I've got a worksheet set up. It's an Excel spreadsheet. It's downloadable at beyond50percent.com forward slash 2016W50. And it's got everything you need uh, to do ratio analysis for these seven ratios. And you simply have to put in uh, 12 figures from the income statement, the balance sheet, and the statement of cash flows, a total of 12 numbers that you put in. Um, and then it will automatically calculate all of the ratios that I talked about today, every single one of them. And you can do it, it's set up to do it by month. So you can just start in January and that's a great, this is great timing because we've got January, 2017 coming right up. You take that, uh, your financials, you start building that, uh, data and over time, uh, each ratio has also has a graph associated with it in a separate tab. So you can go from tab to tab and look how your ratios are changing over time, uh, graphically, as well as you obviously you'll see them in the, in the table. Um, so I highly suggest you download that, take a look at it, fill it out. Um, if you're, if you're curious, fill it out for 2016 or the last year, the last full year that you've, uh, been operating and look at the trends that you have. And, and you can start to uh, say, oh, well, um, I've got some really great uh, performance on some of these ratios, but uh, it takes me a while to collect, uh, to collect debts from customers. So maybe I want to implement a new process to, to fix that, or, or maybe I want to slow down how much credit I'm giving my customers. And, uh, there's the opportunity to, to look at that. The other thing that I did, and I think you'll find very useful, is I put benchmarks, uh, a section uh, in front of each ratio that allows you to put in a high and a low benchmark. And what you can do is go into, uh, do a web search for that ratio for your industry, whatever that is. And um, then you can look for the high and low benchmark, if it's only coming out with, if, if you only find one, then you can put, uh, let's say the benchmark is 1.5, just put 1.5 in the high and low, and that's fine. Or, um, you know, if the, if one is low and three is high, 
then you'll, you'll have places for each of those. And then as you fill out the data on the, uh, from your financial statements, the ratios will automatically calculate. And if they're above the high, they'll light up as green or they'll be highlighted as green. If they're within the range that you've uh, identified as being appropriate for your company, they'll be highlighted as yellow. And if they're below the range that you've chosen, uh, they'll be highlighted as red. And so you'll always have a, a, an instant visual understanding of how your bench, how your ratios are, are um, being calculated uh, in comparison with the benchmarks that you've chosen for your industry. And I think you'll find that's very, very quick, a quick way to, to see what things you might want to be looking at. Uh, so, so go ahead and fill that out um, and uh, take a look at it. See how your performance is in terms of ratios. And leave a comment in the comment section at uh, beyond50percent.com forward slash 2016W50. And let us know what you think about if there's uh, something you'd like to see on the spreadsheet or if you have some surprises. You know, did did, uh, something in those calculations uh, give you something to take action on? In the reading room this week, uh, I want to recommend a book called The Dip by Seth Godin. Um, this is a very short read. Uh, I think the, the audio book is, is less than two hours long. Um, I, I love Seth Godin's work, so I, I can't say good enough things about, uh, anything that I've read by him, but I think it's, um, uh, a really important book for small business owners because running a small business isn't a smooth ride. And, uh, and in the beginning, you're super excited. You just got this new product and you're, and you're, uh, moving forward on it and and uh, you've got all this energy and then you hit this wall and or where where it's not fun anymore well at least let's say it's not fun fun right now you're not getting out of bed with the same energy um, it seems like every obstacle in the world is trying to stop you from from building this new company and uh, you know is it time to quit uh, how do you get through that? And uh, that that's what Seth Godin is calling the dip. And he has some other some other uh, things he calls uh, uh, one a cul-de-sac, and that is one that he identifies as a place to quit because you simply can't that that's not a good place for you to go. Um, it's a basically a dead end. Um, but how do you get through those dips and uh, this book provides this helpful insight into uh, what to do when you find yourself in the dip. And part of what I liked about this book is the simply the validation of expecting a dip, knowing that when you're doing something um, like uh, starting a small business, uh, you can expect to hit some hard times. And knowing that that's part of the process and it w- is, is very helpful in being able to get beyond it and, and get through the dip to what lies, what lies ahead. So great book. Um, and as a listener of, up, of the Up and to the Right podcast, you can get the dip or one of over 150,000 titles for free on Audible by signing up for a 30-day trial. You can check out their service and get a great book. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash up and to the right. 
Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash up and to the right for your free audiobook. And if that's, all, if that's just too much to type, uh, there is a link on the right-hand side of the post page for each episode. Um, so you can just click that link and it'll take you straight to Audible, uh, the Audible trial website and you can choose your free book and help the Up and to the Right podcast out just a little bit on, uh, at the same time. And so that would be much appreciated. Each financial statement has value in itself but we can get even more information about our business by looking at the relationships of values that are on on more than one statement even. By filling out the downloadable spreadsheet and reviewing it along with your financial statements at the end of each month, you can begin to get a comprehensive picture of the health of your business without spending a ton of time. And so if you have any questions about filling out the spreadsheet or, uh, or have a valuable insight about your own business, about the the um, concept of financial review in general, uh, please leave a comment for this episode at beyond50percent.com forward slash 2016W50. Thanks for listening. The Up and to the Right podcast is released each Thursday, so subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Please help us help more small businesses by leaving a positive review wherever you listened to the podcast. Like you, We're always working to have a more profound impact, so if there's something we can do better, please email us at fix.it at b50p.com. For more helpful ways to improve the performance of your small business, please visit us at beyond50percent.com. Now let's roll up our sleeves and get to work.